What's up, tea drinkers? Who's ready to spill? Welcome to The Tea with KG, hosted by your girl, Kaylee Grace. Here you'll find your weekly boost of real talk mixed with laughter, healing, and all of those vulnerable, messy moments in between. The Tea with KG is a safe space for you to show up exactly as you are. We are here to share real-life stories from around the globe and be a community of love, joy, and celebrating life. This is a real-deal show, so there will be coarse language and sensitive topics discussed. The most beautiful stories oftentimes emerge from the darkest of places, and we're here to explore it all. There's room for everyone at this tea time, so grab your drink of choice, spark it up, or just relax and soak it up. Cheers, and let's spill. What's up, tea drinkers? We are back with another episode of The Tea with KG. I'm your host, Kaylee Grace. We are here to spread the sparkle. I have another amazing guest joining me this week. We have the beautiful Harriet Shearsmith joining us all the way from the UK. How are you doing today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be on this episode. I can't wait. For everyone watching on YouTube, you can see she's rocking the pink. All the listeners know we love some pink up in here. So super excited. I was like, as soon as I saw her, I was like, this is going to be good. She's got her pink on. We are ready. (laughs) I do. But my pink is significantly cozier than your red because it is freezing here at the minute. Right. I feel like I have like a ring light on for my lighting and I get so hot usually by the end because it's, you know, this the bright lights. I'm like, all right, I'm sweating. I need to take these sweaters off. So (laughs) yeah, sometimes I try and wear like a warmer thing and then it's just by the end, I'm like, I'm too hot. Got to get it off. (laughs) So Harriet is a mama. She's an author. She's a podcaster, an award-winning UK blogger like this girl. She does it all. I am so excited to dive into her story with the who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I am, as you say, first and foremost, I'm a mum of three. So my kids are 11, 10, and uh, seven, nearly eight. She's eight in a couple of weeks. Oh, exciting! Clinging to that seven. Oh, Uh, my my baby. So I'm like, she's she's seven, uh, and she'll be up until like the minute before she turns eight. I'm also an author. I have my book, Mumming It, which is pretty much um like all the hacks and tips and tricks that I have come across for mum life and the things that I'd learned on my journey. I'm also a content creator, a podcaster. I actually have a new podcast coming out shortly. Um, so super exciting things around there. Ooh, and yeah, I just that, got goosebumps. That's, oh. that's always a good sign for me. When I get those, I'm like, yep, we're on the right path here. I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm I'm really excited about this one. I think before we started recording this, we briefly mentioned about my, I talk a lot about parental estrangement and generational trauma. And this podcast is going to be surrounding that and sort of reparenting yourself when you haven't had that positive experience and you become a parent and then focusing on estrangement and toxic families and healing from that in a digital age, because I feel like we've we've progressed now from where estrangement is so much more than I'm not picking up the phone to you or yeah, I'm not popping around on a Sunday anymore. It's uh, a much deeper, much more difficult thing to navigate. There is that constant 24-7 digital world, which, mm. you know, we're bringing our children up in as well. So I I wanted to do something that explored that, and that's what that podcast is going to sit around. 
Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. I cannot wait to plug that in at the end. We will plug everything so everyone can reach you and find your new podcast. I think that is so exciting. And like we were saying before we hit record, I just think that's such an important topic to touch on. And the healing journey from that is not any healing journey. It's got all those bits and pieces you got to work through and it can be so much deeper. It's not surface level. It is so much deeper than that. And it can, it can create so many different ways that we move through life and some may be good. Some may not be great, but it's so important to take a little self check and look and really dive in and like, look at yourself and be like, where does this come from? Or like, what, what, what did I go through that's affecting me now? So I think that is so, so huge. And I love that we're going to touch on that today. So I want to say thank you again for being here and just being open. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I think it is, like you say, it's something that should be talked about more. And it's not a linear path. And it's something that massively affects how we communicate with our children and that generational thing. So it's something that I'm really pleased to be able to talk about and hope that I can help lots of people with. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I love too hearing your perspective because you're you are a mom yourself. Like I don't have any human babies yet. I have lots of the fur babies are there, but I I can't wait to be a human mom too. So I love hearing things like this. Also your book too. I'm like, I need the hacks for my future, my future human babies. So I love that. As we all know, the human experience, this journey we're on, so many ebbs and flows, so many things that take us through life and how we are now. So how about we dive into your story? I started with my content creation and with the path that I'm on now when my eldest was about one and I just, I followed a really amazing blog that I absolutely loved and they did all sorts of like crafty things with their children and then days out and then they would do things for themselves and I loved it and I'd never come across blogging before. So this is going back about 10 years now and I just wanted to do something where I could create a career where I could be at home with my children and I could spend especially those early days with them I found that I was working part-time and my husband was working full-time and we were always sort of passing ships Mm. and I wanted something where I could create a life with them that I saw these women having online and that's what I started to do when I started to share these small things and I loved it I found so much joy in content creation and obviously it's evolved massively oh my god right can you believe how it's changed (laughs) completely you know video content I never did now most of my platforms are almost exclusively video based which I'll be honest I TikTok is a newer thing for me because I was like I am (laughs) I'm not doing that I am not 12 absolutely not and then slowly but surely I was like oh I'm gonna have to do that (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I know Um, it was a pandemic thing for me I was like uh let me just have fun I'm bored it was short-lived like I really enjoyed it for that little bit of time and then I don't know I just I'm I'm very like I'm very free bird so it doesn't surprise me I was like no I'm kind of over it so now I'm trying to do more like the reels because Instagram it's kind of overwhelming too when there's too many platforms I'm like ah like I can't keep up with all of you (laughs) there's so much isn't there and I think so many of them overlap as well and then they compete with each other but I actually really enjoy TikTok now and I think my children that is probably the platform that my children are like please get (laughs) 
Because that's the cool platform for them, right? Yeah. That's my, my son turned around to me yesterday and was like, I really want TikTok. I was like, you're 11. You're not having it. He was like, everybody else has got it. I was like, well, I'm not in charge of everybody else. Yeah. Um, so we sat down and I spoke to him about it and was like, look, you, you watch YouTube, you watch YouTube shorts, and I'm going to throw it out there, babes. They're pretty much the same thing. Yes. So, but TikTok, I'm going to call you back from because technically you shouldn't have any of these things until you're 13 anyway. So I just, I don't want to get into trouble for mm. lying about your age. Yes. And he was just like, mum, we both know that that's not true. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, I, I love content creation and I love that it has allowed me to forge this career where I am now a published author and I can yes. speak about things like estrangement well, that can help so many people and connect with so many people on that level, whether they have children or whether they are fair baby parents. And yes. you said you have fair babies. Yes. I have fair babies as well. Oh, we love them. Is it a kitty? <gasps> oh, I can see right there gorgeous. in the cat tree. She is. Oh, oh my God. So she is. Oh. She's my son's cat. Um, we've we had Siamese, and you know, I, they were when I was much younger. And sadly, both of them passed away when he was. They were quite close together. He was mm. like three and about five, and he took it so badly when the last one passed away. So I have a video actually on my channels, and when it was his, I want to say eighth birthday I think it was his eighth birthday we'd had a good 18 month gap because we needed to be in exactly the right space you know where I'm going I know I'm like getting emotional we, already I'm like <laughs> in the right space to um have a, fa a new little family member 100% have something because you know as much as I love the con like like I loved it, it was his birthday present um and as much as I love doing that for him it still is, you know, it's a light, it's a, a there lifelong commitment, which is absolutely good, if you're lucky, 15 to 20 years for a yes. For me, it needed to be the right time. And we waited and waited and waited. And then I found out that these kittens were due to be born and ready for collection the day before his birthday. And stop. Oh my God. He had no idea. I'm not even kidding. He had no idea at all. So I went out and I found in, I think you guys call it TJ Max over there. We call it oh, TK yes. Max here. Oh, so I you didn't know, know that. that is like, yes. Wow. So we call it TK Max. No okay, idea. Why. Cool. <laughs> and I I found, you know how they have like everything. Yes. Everything. I found a birthday cake bed that she, I mean, she still has it. I'm literally getting teary eyed right now because I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. So, you're, I'll have to send you a link to the video. Please do. Okay. She, is it one of those like birthday videos where you give and like that, those I watch all the time and I yes. cry every time. Yeah, that's exactly it. So she was curled up in this little bed and I went and picked her up the night before. I got them all in bed and then arranged to go and pick up the kitten. And I got home, still no clue. Nobody had any clue but me and my husband. And we got her snuggled down in this little bed and he came down in the morning and he got like some wrestling figures because he's a big WWE mm -hmm. fan and he liked that as is his dad. Yeah. And he liked that. He'd got like a little wrestling ring and we'd found them, um, we found them secondhand. So he was looking at all that setup and then he noticed in the middle of everything was this birthday cake. And he was like, what is that? And he oh just God. poked his head in and his face, that will stay with me for the rest of my life is like the best. Moment. That is pure joy to me. That it is was. It was absolutely pure joy.
Like he oh my was gosh. just, so, and his whole, his whole mouth dropped and then he started to cry. Oh my God. It is just, this, I need to see it. emotional little thing. Mm-hmm. And there, I, I feel that. Oh my gosh. And then she just, she came, I'd got her a little collar that was too big for her with a little bow on it. <laughs> and she came out to him. She spent half the morning sort of like hissing at me as if to say, I do not know you. You're a very <laughs> excitable woman. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with this vibe. Yes. This vibe is, this this vibe is, is not it. Really too much. This is this is too much. Okay. I'm being adopted. Too much. Yeah. Whereas for Toby, she was just like, okay, you you can be my human. And oh, she chose him. Absolutely. I love that. Isn't that meant to be like the universe yeah. when it does stuff like that? It gives me life because I'm just like, it's so meant to be. And like seeing so that connection. Oh, yes. What's her the kitty's name? Oreo. Oreo, so cute. Did your son because, name her? Yeah, she's. Um, it was actually my son's friend. He went into school that morning, which we thought was great as well because it gave her some chill time because otherwise yeah. he would have been all over her own cats. Any animal that comes into your home becomes part of your family needs to acclimatize. Hundred so percent, especially it was cats. A yes, yes, exactly. It was a blessing, and he went off to school. And he, we were originally thinking we were big Disney fans, so we were originally thinking Mulan because mm-hmm. our original Siamese was called Mushu, and we had Nala and Mushu, so we were thinking, well, what could we call her? Could we call her Mulan because she's going to be a little princess? Mm-hmm. And then his friend said, oh, she's got this little dark point because she's a Siamese, a pointed. Yeah. Me. so they were like oh she's got this little dark face and this white body and these little dark paws she's like a little oreo she is and it just stuck and he came mm. back and he was like mommy i think i'm gonna call her oreo and i was like oh i want you to call her a disney name but <laughs> yeah. it, it just fitted so well it oh, really did um, i love that oh my god that's yeah. so cute those are literally <laughs> when we're done send me that link because i, I love, love I those love. videos <laughs> especially when the kids cry i'm just like i am crying like i actually like i have like visions of when i'm eventually a mother like doing something like that i will be bawling with them like yes oh, honey yeah. <laughs> I was, I completely was. Like the original video, you've got music over it because you can just hear me in the background. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, nobody wanted it. Nobody needed that. Oh my that. gosh, that <laughs> would be me. Oh my God, yeah. that's reminding me of like at concerts. I am like screaming and singing and all you hear is me. And I'm like, girl, yes. you need to stop because yes. so now I'll like take a real quick video and then I stop and I'm like, then I just sing. So I don't yeah. have to listen to that. <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is my vibe. So again, I I was uh, essentially created this life wanting to be with the children and to do more things around them. Yeah. And as time progressed, I slowly sort of became more and more on Instagram and more sort of creating content as opposed to the traditional written form. And yeah, when my daughter came along, that got bigger and bigger and it just kept growing. Um and kind of went from from one strength to the next really writing been something that was a passion for me I've always mm-hmm. really loved writing um so when the opportunity came up to write a book I was so excited about it it was yeah. something I'd always always wanted to do so that was something that I did through lockdown actually so oh my gosh yes yes it was it was something we'd already agreed um 
we'd already agreed the book it was already set in motion mm -hmm. and then the world kind of just shut down yeah and I had three kids that I was homeschooling and my husband was really struggling with his mental health he found it really difficult because mm -hmm. he's a very outdoorsy very active person yeah. so he really struggled with it and then this book that I was writing and I guess in a way it gave me something to focus on in mm -hmm. addition to being able to focus on the kids and their homeschooling but it yeah. gave me a purpose to keep going purpose, and yeah that yeah oh my gosh yes and I love so much when people can take their passions and turn it into something like I just live for that and it just makes me so happy to see people pursuing their dreams and living it and I love what you were saying too about wanting to create that life where you could be there for your babies because that's literally my goal like that's what I want too I'm like I want that time freedom so you know I get football there but so like soccer here but I was like so if they have a soccer game whatever I can be there like I don't want to be limited so I love that so yeah. much that that was kind of like your why and then it's transformed into so so much and it's amazing and I love too if anyone checks out her Instagram like it is awesome content like you post oh. so consistently in your videos and I'm just like it's so inspiring especially for other people out there doing social media kind of things I look at you I'm like okay she's doing the do I need to do the do more so I love that so so much oh. Thank you so much. You know, it's funny that you should say that. And I think we all have these moments of like our, like a crisis of confidence because earlier today I was thinking, yeah, I got to step up my game. I am not doing enough. I am not doing this. I'm not doing that. So it's really reassuring to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important when we say these things to each other and take the time to remind each other of how well we're doing because yes. it's so easy to fall into that trap of self-doubt and doubting mm -hmm. yourself and I speak a lot about uh, body confidence and self-confidence and self-belief and that's an ongoing process for me something that you know uh the last few years have been rough have been difficult mm. and it's really kind of knocked my confidence and knocked that self-belief so to be able to help others build that and build that back up myself has been really 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 good for me Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so here for that. And like, I think building each other up, it's just like the simplest, most beautiful thing we can do as humans, especially like, I'm not trying to put it into a gender thing, but especially women, like there shouldn't yeah, be that no, competition. Like we can all get there together and collaborate. And I just love when I find like-minded souls who were like, yes, like you, it was such an, e you were just like, sure, I'll come on your podcast. I was like, thank you. And it's just nice to feel seen and heard yes. and like valued, right? So yeah. I love that. And I love that that's something you value as well. Obviously there's a reason we're connected. It really feels exactly. like I'm talking to someone like that I've known for forever. I love that. <laughs> Great. And I think that's the thing. And I do, I completely agree with you about what you say about it, especially important for women, because we are, we live in a patriarchal society where we are taught to kind of pit against one another. And we can all do better if we all rise up with one another. And I think that's, that's the most important thing for me is to, you know, it costs us nothing to be kind. It costs us nothing to work together. And I always said, 
when I started this, that there is enough internet to go around for everybody. So yes. we can collab together, we can support one another. We're not, we might be technically when we're working in this industry, each other's competition, but we can also be each other's champions. And I love the concept of being able to champion other people, other women. And you know, that's that's one of the reasons that I wanted to start talking more about estrangement and more about toxic family relationships, because I think that through connecting with each other and feeling seen and heard, that's when we destigmatize this kind of thing. And that that was so important for me. Preach it, sister. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And it's like, the more open we are in sharing our vulnerable side and our stories, the more as humans, we can be open and understand each other more. And maybe someone's going through something you've never experienced. But once you hear their story, like I love hearing people's stories. I'm like, let me get in there. Let's peel back yeah. the layers because <laughs> it helps you understand people. And with understanding, you gain empathy and compassion. And to me, our world needs to run like that, like be compassionate, care for each other. Like, I just feel like our world has transformed in a way that I'm just like, oh, this is a little messed up. Like we're focusing much too much on money, greed, power. It's not about that. It's not about capitalism. It's not about that. It should be coming back to basics, right? Caring for people, working through your trauma, being open, helping others, serving people. Like that's what's up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that human connection, I think, I don't know if it was the pandemic. I don't know if it was the lockdowns. I don't know if it's just the trajectory that we've been on for a long time. But I think we we lost that human connection somewhere along the way. And one of the great things about the internet, one of the things that I do love about being on it, and don't get me wrong, there are a million and one things that I do not <laughs> love about being online. Right. Everybody can say the same. Yes. It's like, a, it's got its, its pros and cons oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you were to write a pros and cons list, they'd be fairly well matched yes but one of the things that I do really really love is that human connection and that you can connect with other people and you can build communities of like-minded people I think for me that's been one of the uh, unexpected things that I have loved the most about this journey you know um, when I had my first child I had sepsis after he was born I was incredibly ill and I'd been able to connect with other mothers through that I'd been able to connect with other mothers through not being able to breastfeed him and then later being able to breastfeed my other children and breastfeed for an extended period with my daughter so at each stage throughout there's always been something where I can connect with other like-minded people people or people who especially as the accounts got bigger maybe felt like they were the only ones and that's what I found particularly with talking about generational trauma and toxic families is that there is this massive community of us but we all mm -hmm. seemed before we found it to think we were the only ones that this has happened yes. to or even if we knew on a, a disassociated level that there were others out there who were in the same position it felt so lonely yeah. and I think there's so many stages within life where we feel so alone and so lonely and so isolated and we know on a, a on one plane that we, we're not alone mm -hmm. because how can we be whatever mm -hmm. you're experiencing life there will be somebody else who's experienced the same yes. you know, there always will be however unless you can see it, it's very difficult to believe it. hundred percent. We've got to talk about these things. Absolutely. That was so well said. So, so true because it's exactly like you said, like logically, yeah, we know we're not alone, but it's when you actually connect with people who are like, I see you, 
I get you. It's like, ah, you just feel exactly like we said earlier, seen and heard and valued. And as humans, like in our DNA, like go back to like when we were cave people, it was so much simpler because it was more of a survival over everything. And you had to be with people or you wouldn't survive. So I learned this from one of my other guests. He said basically like rejection equaled death back then because if you had no no shelter, no food, no whatever, you would die. Now it's still subconsciously like within us, not rejection per se, but like not having that community. It feels like how do I how do I keep going? And you don't feel as fulfilled. Like I totally get it. Some people need alone time, things like that, but you still need to have someone you connect to, especially if they understand your journey or your trauma in their own sense. So I think that's so, so key. And I love so much that you've been able to connect with people and every part of your journey, like different, different ways. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, it is. And it's funny you should say that, actually, because I was reading something not so long ago about genetics and trauma and how it was it was um, it was to do with a Will Smith film that was about um, slavery and racism. And the person that was talking about it was talking about the trauma that is passed down through DNA. Mm -hmm. And it's not like um, it's not the same as a I can't remember the term for it now, but it was so fascinating. And she linked all these different scientific studies that show that trauma is carried in our DNA. It's in the body. Yeah. Yeah, it's in 100%. the body. It's not just a generational thing. It's not just a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. It is in your physical DNA and carried yes. through. So when you look at what we once were, where that rejection equaled uh, a really serious situation, it wasn't yeah. just a, oh, that hurt my feelings. It exactly. was literal life and death. Like your fight or and flight I, would kick in, like your survival exactly. instincts. Yeah, exactly. And how we still have that fight or flight. It all yeah. makes sense if you think of it from that point of view. Right. That we, it's so it's fascinating, a, yeah. right? It's so fascinating. I so agree. Fascinating. Uh, it's so funny you bring that up. I'm like, again, all these synchronicities are always science to me. I'm like, this was meant to be uh, a guest I just had on. Actually, we were talking about the indigenous uh, intergenerational trauma. And we talked exactly about that, how it's stored for like in the body, generation to generation. And it can take so much work to work through all of that because the body doesn't forget. But you have to remind the body like we are safe. This is not an, and that's such a challenge. I've had to work through that in my own self as well. And it's just, it's kind of a foreign thing at first. You're like, what's going on here? Like, what am I feeling right now? And then, you know, finding that self-discovery and actually learning more. It's not an overnight process by any means. As we say, healing is not linear. It's, it does what it wants and that's okay. But (laughs) yeah. And you, you think you've got to that point where you're like, do you know, I've worked through this now. I'm so clever. I've done this. And I'm feeling good about me. And then bam, you hit a brick wall. And you're like, well, 100%. It's so, yeah, life will humble you very quickly. It's so funny. (laughs) You will feel like you are doing so well. And then something will happen and you will just think, oh, I need to be my therapist. Oh my God, right? you You were doing fine without them. And you just got to write that email that's like, could you call me? Yeah, I need you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, but if, if we could just move our appointment forward a bit, that would be great. <laughs> That's 
so true. Oh my gosh, you're making me laugh. You're so funny, but it's so true. I feel like the exact same way. And I feel like that's so relatable because it's interesting, like the depth of certain wounding. Cause like I've mentioned this before, it's I have certain wounds that are so deeply embedded. They're from like childhood, they're they're deep. And I feel like one in particular I am always working at and it's Finally, I'm not going to say that too lightly because girl, we know life might humble me again. I may be triggered again, but I feel like finally, and I'm saying this has been like, my God, over 20 years in the making. I feel like I'm finally kind of getting to a different place with it, but I'm very mindful of it. I'm like, okay, beware like this, this isn't completely gone, but at least I'm, it's, it's so awesome when you're kind of in a different place with it, even if it took you forever. And even if you do get rocked again, you're still not where you were at one time. So that's, that's also so interesting, right? Yeah, and that's it. That's it with healing, I think. And especially with things that we'd, we'd mentioned before about the mother wound and healing from toxic parents and that, that generational dysfunctional family trauma. I don't think that you're ever done. No. I think you're constantly learning, you're constantly developing, you are constantly getting to the next place with it. And that's okay. I think quite often when we think of therapy and we think of um, wounds and trauma and healing, you think of it almost like um, a cut that you'll get on your finger. That's such a great way to say it. Yeah, Yeah, that's such a good analogy. It'll be a bit sore for a while, but actually, okay, yeah, that scab's going to drop off and then you'll have the little pink line and then eventually you'll forget that it was ever even there. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. And I think no. emotional wounds rarely are. And some of those wounds leave scars with us and we have to be mindful of those scars. And that's okay, but we we have to move to a different place of that. And like a scar, it will develop, it will change over time, it will grow with you but it's never really gone, not fully. And I think thinking of therapy and working on yourself and working on those deep-seated wounds, those traumas, that mother wound or the generational trauma that you're trying to work past, to think of it in those terms of, okay, no, this might never leave me. It's a fundamental part of who I am, but I can work with it as opposed to working against it. Yes, so much. Yes, because ultimately, those wounds, they just want to be loved. They just want a big hug. It's just like it could be your inner child being needing love. It could be so many things. Even if things happen in your adult life, it's still a part of you that just wants to be loved. So sometimes when these emotions come out so strongly, don't beat yourself up. I have a hard time with that sometimes because naturally I'm very positive and optimistic, but girl, I got the feels. I'm very, very feely. So, you know, it's not always rainbows and butterflies, even though I wish it was, but it's not. And you have to feel those emotions fully and be like, where are you? Where's the root? Because if there's, it's not generally surface, it's usually linked something much deeper and lean into it and don't, don't criticize yourself for feeling that because everyone feels things and it's okay. Give yourself yeah. a hug. Learn how to love that little part that is like, I need you to love me right now or I need this right now. Don't beat yourself up over that. I I, I speak from that just because I feel like I, I a younger me definitely was like, oh, you shouldn't be feeling. You shouldn't be this, 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 this. And I'm like, no, let it out, honey. Let's go. It's so true. And it's so, it's one of those things that I think so many of us are um, guilty of doing to ourselves. I will sit here and say to everybody and I, you know, I give the best advice in my DMs and I'm like, that was good. Right. And then I look back and I'm like, do you know, at some point you should probably take some advice. 
just oh a little gosh. bit of the advice. Oh <laughs> just my gosh. Any, like any of the little, any nugget of what you give out there, if you could, if you could take I it yourself. Totally can't wait to you. Idea. That <laughs> would be so really funny. beneficial. When you're giving advice and you're like, yes, yes, yes. And then like exactly like you just said, mm-hmm. be like, okay, wait, apply that to me now. <laughs> yes. It's funny because I think we're so good at encouraging other people to love themselves, to look after themselves, to be kind to themselves, to treat themselves with empathy. And if we could treat ourselves, how we would treat our friends, how we would treat our our colleagues. And I often say this, you know, when you think about if you're giving yourself or your friend a pep talk, and the way that you do the two of them is so different. Like you'll be with your friend, you'd be like, yes. you're amazing. You've got all these talents, all these skills. Anybody would so lucky to have you. And then you get to yourself and you're like, well, <laughs> but it works harder. Yeah. Or I'll be like saying stuff, but I don't really like believe it yet. I'm like, you're amazing. Yeah. But I'm like, am I? Am I? You know what I mean? You kind of question it a little bit, but then to like your friends, you're like, you're a motherfucking queen. You are this, yes, can do yeah. this. It's like, it is like hype queen. Here she is. And I just think like you just said, it's so important. Be your own hype queen, hype king, however you identify. And it's a learn, it's a learning curve for absolutely everybody. It truly mm. is. And I think, you know, you, you can work on it. And as well for me, it's challenging that negative inner voice, you know, yes, I by really toxic parents and for me my mum in particular had a lot of narcissistic qualities um Mm -hmm. narcissistic traits I should say not really qualities Mm -hmm. um but narcissistic traits that are so damaging for you to grow up in that environment and Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have picked up from that is a really negative inner critic and really negative self-talk so I will now actively sit with myself and one of the things that I do every morning I write like a little positivity journal and I will write my good intentions for the day which FYI every day is go to sleep earlier and every yeah. day I don't know why I write it at this point I'm like well, I, I don't know why you write that one but day stop, stop writing it just stop it don't don't even do it you get to the evening and you're like oh look it's early bedtime it's 20 to 12 and stop writing it um so that's a note to myself um (laughs) but I think every every time I write something in there a a really common one that crops up for me especially if I'm around that period where I'll get PMS Uh the hormones are raging the hormones go crazy I will start writing challenge that negative voice sit with every thought so when that negative thought pops up or that really harsh self-critic pops up I will sit with it for a couple of seconds and go okay was that fair mm-hmm. and okay sometimes I'll think yeah it was fair mm-hmm. I'm really cross because <laughs> it was fair <laughs> I'm going to be mean to myself and then I'll be like mm, Harriet what, but was it yeah. uh, but was it would it be necessary <laughs> to speak could you have said it in a nicer way um And when I think about it, all joking apart, it's a huge thing to start challenging that negative inner voice. And I think that works so well Mm -hmm. in the journey towards healing those wounds is to start sitting with those negative thoughts, to start questioning whether or not what you're actually saying to yourself is A, fair and accurate, because Mm -hmm. more often than not, it's not. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're like me, I know you say you're quite a positive person. I can be a really negative person, especially when it comes to myself, my own achievements. I'm not very good at celebrating my achievements. I feel that Um, way too. It's so funny you say that because 
like the way I approach life, very like sunshine, but I've always been super hard on myself. Always like it never was good enough. Never like the self-worth that has been such a journey for me. And like just the self-love and like, oh my God, if I could, like I say about the inner child, I have had certain like meditative moments where I have like feel like I've healed her a little and just give her a hug and been like if like if my little self could see me now she would be like what like you know what I mean and it's just like giving yourself that is so important but I totally understand what you're saying like I feel giving it to myself is so much more challenging like you like we said than giving it to others so I love that you mentioned that about challenging those thoughts because the saboteur she she will say things that are not true but i like also that you approach it with a let me just analyze this like is there truth or validity to this if yes where do we need to grow a little where do we need to heal a little improve a little but like you said too most of the times the way our inner saboteur says things to us is not nice yeah no she can be mean she's yeah She is a bitch. She's like, I'm here. And oh my gosh, okay, I have to tell you another analogy. This, I have to give props, this is from Joey. He's like, he's a therapist, he's amazing. He had so many good words of wisdom, but it goes with this. This is more emotional based, but like, let's say he's like a picture you're driving. You're, you self, yourself is in the driver's seat and all your emotions are in the other seats. He's like, for him, he's like, anger is usually in my passenger side. The Mm. anger is the playlist. You're putting on the music for me. And then he said to think of it like this, when your emotions are trying to get in the driver's seat, envision it like, be like, no, get back in the passenger seat or get back in the back seat. Like you're not driving, I'm driving. And I just loved that because it kind of separated it. Right, props to Joey. Like he, oh my gosh, I I picked up so much from him from that episode. I was like, yes. Isn't it? Because it it breaks it down a little and it makes it less like, it's not you are the anger. It's just like, it's just a little part. It's just the emotion. It's get back in the passenger seat. Put on a song for me. Like, (laughs) exactly. No, I really like that. I really like that. And I think as well, I quite often will think of myself as like, I'll have little Harriet or I'll have, especially when I talk about things in therapy, I'll be like, okay, well, little Harriet probably really wanted this. Mm. You shouldn't get it. I'm practical Harriet. And my therapist pointed it out to me not so long ago. She's like, you do talk about yourself in different fragments. Yeah. I was like, what are you analyzing me with? She's like, nothing <laughs> other than maybe a bit of hypochondria. Take a deep breath. Um, <laughs> I'm not analyzing you with anything. I'm just saying, I think you do tend to section yourself off, which works quite well for you. Mm-hmm. You just need to focus a little bit more on this little person here. Mm. and think about how maybe this one talks to that one and this one talks that and think about it more in that rational way and that's how I came to that kind of analyzing my negative self-talk and it's helped me massively it really has Mm. just to stick with it and challenge it absolutely I love that and it's sometimes the most challenging thing is to just sit with it especially like emotions but thoughts too because it depends, I think, how we're wired. I feel things like times a million. So sometimes for me, emotions are so strong, they'll kind of take over the mind a little bit sometimes. So I have to really practice like grounding and breathing and like, because again, you have to ground the physical body so the brain can breathe and be like, okay, what's actually real right now? What's actually happening? How can I decipher this? So I think that's such a great tip is to be able to sit with your thoughts or your feelings, whatever, and actually 
take a look at it and be like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And question it and say, am I being fair here? Would I say that to somebody else? No. Okay. How can we rethink this? Because maybe I did make a mistake and that does need analyzing and maybe a little bit of critiquing so that I can yeah. learn and grow and do better. But equally, do I need to completely lambast myself for it? Probably not. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. I love that so, so much. You were mentioning with your parental estrangement, you said you grew up with like a narcissistic mother. Do you want to talk more on that and kind of how it's shaped you? And I, I'm not sure about the relationship with your father, but if you want to dive right in and we can chat more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I, I had such a close relationship with my mum and I was very much under the impression that that was really normal, that was really mm -hmm. healthy, everything was fine, and it very much was quite, it was the opposite of those mm. things. For me, it was um, what is commonly talked about in psychology and when talking about covert narcissism, uh, was okay. what, a term called enmeshment, where my mum didn't really see where she ended and where I began. Okay. I was more like treated like an extension of her. So she actually lived with us up until, um midway through the pandemic we built her an annex we bought her house and converted uh what was the garage had the whole thing ripped down built an annex separate so an annex i don't know if you guys have annexes is it like a there. granny suite yes. <laughs> that's what okay like <laughs> yeah so it was a completely separate house with its own kitchen but like your property right but on the property. Yes. Yep. Granny so suite. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Granny suite. So over here, we might call them an annex or sometimes mm -hmm. they are called a granny flat. Okay. Um, but we built that for her and we made it perfect. And just at every stage of the way, it became increasingly volatile. And I think I started to really notice fractures in our relationship when I um, started having children because that was my attention diverted away and I would say oh well, I'm not going to do that that way I'm going to do that this way and yeah. slowly but surely that became more and more fractured and then when my mum retired and was around much more I noticed that a lot more of her toxic behaviors became really apparent and it was the endless critique and my husband would say don't speak to her like that don't do that that's not don't don't do that I like that her. your husband stood up for you he did he did when when he felt able he did and I think mm -hmm. what I wanted to achieve with building her an annex or was to be able to have that good daughter to be able to be that loyal daughter that was there that was uh, fulfilling the role she felt that she owed to her mother which I examine a lot more now um because that's how I was raised that you don't leave your parent that you uh, do everything for them that you should be able to welcome them in, into your home like perhaps they do on the continent and I wanted to fulfill that role but also was attempting to get some kind of distance just yes. some just so I could have a little bit of freedom and I just wanted mm. her to be happy whilst I could have that little bit of freedom and it really <laughs> was not gonna work I think the more freedom I got the nastier and more toxic things became to the point at which I eventually asked her to move out of the annex and offered to buy her a property somewhere else and make sure that she was set up for life and she didn't want that and things became incredibly toxic and difficult and what I really wanted was to be able to create that distance and to be able to create a lower contact while we worked on our issues separately. 
-hmm. and that just was not as is if anybody has had any experience with a narcissist or people who have narcissistic traits because let's be real we I'm not a therapist and I would never try to diagnose somebody with something my therapist has said yeah there's a narcissist yes Um, (laughs) my my therapist would also not diagnose someone who they'd never spoken to so you, you can't and most people who are narcissists who have narcissistic personality disorder would not be diagnosed anyway because they don't see anything wrong with themselves exactly <laughs> so it's a really difficult um really difficult, difficult journey yeah it is and it's a very overused term now so I think it's a lot overused I feel like people don't actually know what it is like they they, yeah. they take what one part of it is and apply it to oh this person and like no it's deeper than that it's not just the surface so so I like that you brought that up because it is a very common term now (laughs) and I think we you know we as people I did when I was younger because that's how I was raised I had a lot of narcissistic traits when I was much younger I think I um, mirrored my mum's behavior and I can see that now and that's something that I've had to work on forgiving myself and to um you know, understand that about myself, especially in my late teen years. And apparently the more I learn about uh, children, adult children of narcissistic mothers, the more I realize that that's incredibly common, especially in the middle to sort of late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. very common for them to reflect those traits, to have that kind of adolescent immaturity and reflect it in that manner. Um And that's something that I experienced and I've had to work on. And I feel like the more that I became my own person, the more that that enmeshment was challenged and the more that that created this really difficult environment. Mm. You know, my mum would come in and shout and swear at me in front of the kids. She'd be racist in front of the kids and that kind of thing. We would ask for these things. We would challenge it on the spot and say, we don't want that around our children. No, toxic. And it would then become more of a thing to do to try and get mm. under your skin and that's the behavior uh, yeah exactly. it gives me the ugh, it gives me the ick because it's like when you it's, put those boundaries up they don't like that they're like no no, no. this isn't how the this more works the boundaries came into place the more uh the relationship spiraled mm. and I have said all along that I, I didn't want to become estranged from my mom my no. my plan when I sat down with her was to say to her look this isn't working we'd always discussed before we bought the house that if we ever found ourselves in a position where it wasn't working, that we would make sure that she was set up because that was what was right, because she'd helped us to fund the house initially, Mm -hmm. you know, she lowered what the price and things. So we would make sure that she would be in the same position she would have been if she'd have sold her house to a complete stranger and she'd be set up for life. And that would be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that was not enough because that meant relinquishing control and that meant relinquishing me as her I don't even know the word your extension like the extension of her yeah yeah Yeah, me as the extension and that that therein created a a huge problem um and eventually after a legal proceeding legal battle she did move out of the house and I haven't spoken to her since and you know the um hope was that we would have had some distance between us and then been able to put those building blocks back into place where we could have a relationship that was on a more even ground. But that was never going to work. And I think having had all of my life, really, with just myself and my mum, it made it even more difficult. It compounded it. I was an only child. So when you have a narcissistic parent, 
there is usually a scapegoat child mm -hmm. uh, and a golden child and yep. sometimes an invisible child and when you're the only child you play all of those roles all the roles you are yours the roles. and you know I, I can tell you all of the ways in which I can relate to those different roles at different times yeah. and you know my dad and my parents had quite a volatile um an extremely volatile divorce I think mm. there was a lot of parental alienation um that went on between myself and my dad from my mum mm -hmm. however I do remember enough of my dad to know that he was also a really toxic man um which is is a real shame but we we know from the research done into narcissism and into um people who are emotionally immature that they quite often lead towards each other mm -hmm. or people who have a lot of these traits attract it right people. yeah whatever level you're at it's kind of what you bring yeah exactly and quite often you know people who have been raised by narcissists will attract a narcissist as a partner because it's what they knew it's, it's healing that know, child exactly it's that trauma mm -hmm. exactly and I think you know I, I I remember enough of my dad and certainly enough of my experience with his wife to know that all three adults in my upbringing really let me down mm. and you know that that created a lot of trauma and it's something Absolutely. that I have been incredibly um determined to not allow to repeat something like oh, breaking that cycle. that cycle yes yeah. I don't want it for my kids and I think you know when we speak to people especially older generations about generational trauma and about their behavior like I would challenge my mum and she would say well I had it worse or well I had to deal with that you can yeah. get on with it and I've always found that so bizarre I've always thought to myself well hang on a minute why would you want that for your children? Because I've exactly. had to deal with these things. And like, we're never done growing, like you said. And it's it's almost like they hit a wall where it's like, I don't, I'm fine. I don't need anything else. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. like I'm <laughs> going to be learning till the day I die. Like it's yeah. not going to stop. Doesn't matter how old I am. Like it's so important to be open, like just, just being open to hearing someone and their point of view. And it's okay if disagreements happen, but to have that mutual yeah. love and respect, to have those conversations, I just, I wish that for everyone because, yeah, it's it's so challenging, especially when there's toxicity. And it's hard to speak to people who are in that frame of mind. Like, I've had different relationships, let's say, with people like that. And, and it's, you want so much to just be able to talk and it doesn't work. It's like, there's always something wrong with it or they'll throw it back in your face or deflect or whatever. And that's not healthy either. No, it's not. And I think, you know, I speak to countless people every day about their estrangements or their toxic family and people will constantly get in touch with me and ask advice or, you know, just, even just to say, I'm having the similar experience and you're making me feel less alone. And the people who seem to be be coming through it or who have gone lower contact but not gone full estrangement and no contact mm -hmm. are the people who can kind of meet and go I've done stuff that's not appropriate and yes. you've done stuff that's not appropriate how can we both be better for each other yes and that's people are asking because I know that in the later months of my relationship with my mum coming to its full completion I know that my behavior was uh, reactive yes. and reactively abusive. And I know that when what I've learned is, you know, she would only have to come across, she used to come across from her 
part of the house two hours and just walk in and I know every time she did I can feel it now even like that between your shoulder yes attention of the jaw and everything yeah. would be tense and my husband would see it every day and it, it really it did a number on our relationship because he mm-hmm. could see how far I was falling and couldn't really do anything because whenever it was raised, it would be, but she's my mum and I owe it to her. And let me tell you, if there's one thing that your listeners take away from this, it is that you do not owe your parents anything. And I never, ever want my children to think they owe me a debt because they don't. And that is not to say that I don't want them to be grateful. And it's also not to say, despite knowing that my childhood was extremely emotionally abusive and being able to reflect on things and the more I remember of things that I have suppressed and that Mm. I have blocked I know that my childhood was extremely damaging I am still extremely grateful for the things that my mum did get right and for the sacrifices that I know she made because I know she made them and her behavior was abysmal my dad's behavior was abysmal Mm -hmm. however I think they were both damaged people who you I would love to say I have empathy for I'm not quite there yet (laughs) and I think in a way I do have empathy and I am learning to grow that empathy for them and for their Mm -hmm. behaviors because I can see now as a mum and as an adult myself how their generational trauma had affected them and I can see the toxicity between them and the way they fed off each other with that and my my dad in particular was not in the picture very much I don't really very often talk about him but it's come more into the circle more often now Um, Mm -hmm. and I think you know I, I see where that that relationship left them and I see how they behave towards each other and I see how they behave towards me and you know I think being able to say I am appreciative of the things that they did get right Mm -hmm. and I am appreciating my mum was a single mum who worked extremely long hours to be able to afford things for me and that I don't dismiss that but there is a difference between gratitude and being indebted to somebody and that was what I was raised with I was raised with a debt purely for existing and that is that just broke my soul like that was the most heartbreaking thing to hear because that's that should not be it like like you just said, like no one is indebted to anybody because it shouldn't work like that. It should be a, a flow of gratitude and love and respect. And oh my gosh, that just breaks my heart. But I love so much that you're just like, that's not getting repeated because yes, it's great. Your kids, they'll be grateful, but they're going to sense like the way you raise them and that love and like that's it. Like I would, I would be the same. I would never, I want my kids to be their own individual people. And I just want to guide them and be there for them as I can. I talk about my kids. I'm like, they're not here yet, but one day, one day, right? I know. I know what you mean though. You want that next generation to feel safe and secure in who they are, not who you want them to be. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I, 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 that really is kind of one of the most important things for me to get out there is that you don't owe. And, you know, quite often, especially with immature parents or toxic parents or yes, narcissistic parents, there will be that, that you hear it all the time of yeah. everything I did for you. 
and that's not what it's about because that is your job once you become a parent that is your job to provide those things for that child and to provide that love and that care and these are these are basics yeah basic survival basics yes (laughs) survival basics like go to therapy if you think that's a big deal it's it's basic and I think for me I will I quite often one of the biggest kickbacks that I will get from people especially from young people who have this wonderful relationship uh, they will say to me you're disgusting you're really ungrateful I owe my parents everything and I will say to them no you're grateful to your parents there's a huge difference between being indebted and owing someone a debt and being grateful for what they did yes and that and then once you have a conversation around that they'll go oh okay I see what you mean yeah that makes sense exactly yes you know generationally there has been that that idea of a debt that needs to be paid but nobody should be in debt purely for existing that that's not what it's about mic drop mic (laughs) drop that's it mic drop like we're done there we go it's so so true I love so much that you're bringing these things up because I guarantee there are people listening who can so relate it truly is my hope for parents and the youth of tomorrow I feel like I'm making a speech right now the youth of tomorrow but you know what I mean like (laughs) I just feel like that's so important and that's I value that so much is breaking those things because like our as we know like you know your parents do the best with the tools they have and some may not have many tools in their toolbox so they have no idea how to react or behave but that doesn't mean what they've done is okay but it's it's like what you're saying like it doesn't mean we're ungrateful for the things they did get right exactly your words but it's so important to recognize the things that have been toxic or affected us because that's how you're going to keep going. And I am so with you on that. Like there's certain things I refuse to repeat. I'm like, I am not having a relationship like that. I am going to move forward this way. Like I just, I don't want to repeat that. Like I just want it to be filled with love and safety and trust. Like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And to feel that freedom to grow. Essentially, when I think when you become a parent, your job is to raise these small humans up to be their own individuals. And, you know, my my kids will disagree with me on things and I'm okay with that. And I will, I did a, a reel not so long ago where I said some of the things that I do with my kids that were never done with me. And like my eldest, he's, he's, he's a tween, he's nearly 12, but he's quite, he's more, he's, he's horm- hormonally, he's more <laughs> 14. He's yes. Very kind of in that. <laughs> teenager phase even yeah like this kid is peaking soon (laughs) and I will often say like I don't if if we are discussing something and he loses his temper I will pause and he will invariably say I'm sorry I spoke to you like that before I even get a chance to say anything but I don't tell him off if he's I don't sort of say to him do not back chat me I mean okay occasionally I will say that to him but mostly <laughs> I will say I will say to him can you just take a deep breath I understand that it's frustrating you take a deep breath and think about how you're speaking to me and let's come back to it and let's just take a pause and I've, I've started to try and do that with him because you know my childhood there was so much shouting and it was to the point where I didn't feel like I could challenge things. I just had to go along with the status quo. Yeah. And, you know, it's 
I want him to be able to formulate his own views on things mm-hmm. and to be able to have his own thoughts. And sometimes I will say to him, well, I don't really shout at you. And he'll raise his eyebrows and say, you do all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't. And then he'll go, well, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but not look. <laughs> I literally make a concerted effort not to. Yeah, um, exactly. I love that you give him that space because I think too, sometimes when like with different emotions and things, like it can just kind of take over, especially I think you mentioned he was more sensitive as well. So giving that second to just breathe I, as an adult, even that is so necessary for anyone. Ground yeah. the body because that'll help your brain work better and you'll be able to have a conversation and you're not all hot and spicy and like, you know, so I think that's such a great practice to have. Yeah. And that, again, I try really hard. One of the things that I had a lot when I was younger was what is called parentification. So mm-hmm. parentification is essentially when you are. As a child, uh, there are two, there are several, well, there's lots of different ways in which you can have parentification for a child. For me, it was emotional parentification, Mm -hmm. which is very much being made responsible for the adult in the relationship, be it mother or father's emotional state and well-being. There's also physical whereby you might become the caregiver for younger siblings. You might be the one that's responsible for an excess of household chores. We're not talking about, can you go and hoover upstairs? Yes. <laughs> We're talking about you come home from school and you have no free time because you need to clean the house. Yeah. That is parentification. It's, it's and emotionally, it's incredibly damaging for mm. a child. And we see quite a lot on things like TikTok where people will joke and say, hey, if you parented your mum, how's it going being child free? Because you've done it. You don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. And I I think I went the flip side. I always wanted to be a mother because I felt like yeah. I was already one. <laughs> and I was very much from the age of about four treated as my mum's confidant, my mum's yes. best friend. The therapist, friend. everything. Oh my goodness, a yeah. therapist to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think from that point of view, I'm very keen with my kids to make it known that I'm not their friend and I think people find that a bit strange sometimes when they hear you say that because they're like oh but I really like being with my kids and we're like best friends and yes parent-child relationships healthy ones quite often mirror lots of the wonderful things about friendship but when I have a friend it's a reciprocal relationship whereby I can go to them with my problems and they can come to me with theirs and when you have that power imbalance between an adult um parent and a young child because it changes as you get a bit older obviously Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. when you have that power imbalance where mine are where they're sort of 11 my 11 year old doesn't want to know my woes he is not responsible for my emotional well-being and that's what's so important and for me it's really important that I create a safe space for him and for his emotions and do not expect that to be reciprocated absolutely oh yes like i love that you brought that up because it can especially like doesn't matter the age but as a younger child like you're still developing you're still learning and it's like you just said it's not the child's responsibility to bear your burdens like that's what your partner your friends your therapist your whoever that's what they're for because they have a developed brain where they can actually like you can actually have a conversation that might get somewhere but if you're just loading that or dumping it on your child what is that that's like emotional dumping that's not it's not it's that's not what we're here for (laughs) no it's not and it's so damaging it really truly is to be the one that is responsible for an adult's emotional space and to never have your own safe emotional space Mm -hmm. it teaches you a lot of things it teaches you 
um, fawn response, which is people pleasing. It, it, it's really <laughs> I have yeah. worked through yeah. that issue a lot because I, I it's so interesting too when you realize you do it because you don't think yeah. for me anyway I didn't think I was doing it and oh. like I, I worked through other traumas and then finally there was space for me to deal with that one and I was like oh <laughs> I was like I, I don't have to do this anymore because I was doing it to keep myself safe at one point but I'm like you're not there anymore you're fine like you don't need to do this so Love that you brought that up. Absolutely. And I think people pleasing, fawn response, it's very much, uh, as you say, a, a tool to keep yourself safe. And when we put that in perspective for a child, that that's, you know, it's that trauma that lives through to adulthood. And people don't even realize that they are people pleasers, that they are constantly saying yes to things, that they're constantly feeling that if they don't do certain things for certain people, then they won't be able to maintain that relationship or that fear of rejection. Like we've come yes. full circle. Yes, full circle. Because it's so important to be able to say, I'm safe and I'm okay within myself that if you don't like that I've responded to you in this way and I know that I haven't done anything unkind or wrong or yes. um, morally unfair mm -hmm. then I need to be secure within myself to say okay well if that me saying no to doing this has upset you that's a you problem yes um, that's a you problem <laughs> that's a you problem and you can move past that and that's about boundary setting and, you know, that's something that is incredibly difficult to learn when you are the child of a toxic or emotionally immature parent, because how do you set a boundary as a five, six year old who has no one else? Exactly. And like yeah. your brain still doesn't know like you and also too, like sometimes like I, uh, the good girl or good boy syndrome, I'll call it is like when you want to like you just want to please that parent or not rock the boat or whatever that may be. And you just like, oh, well, if they're saying this, it must be what I should be doing. And then, you know, again, it, it all comes back to the people pleasing because you're like trying to be perfect or good or whatever. And it's just, it's just not the tea. <laughs> it's not, it's not the tea. It's not at all. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I think collectively we can all work on. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, this was the best conversation i literally i say this so much but i feel like i could talk to you for five hours i'm just like this was so amazing i want to know i always have to ask are there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave everybody with today don't make your kids feel like they owe you a debt for existence be their emotional safe space don't make them yours and be a little bit kinder to yourself and challenge that inner critic because she's an unnecessary bitch preach it sister <laughs> <laughs> thank you so so much for joining me i really appreciate you sharing your beautiful light with us i can't wait for this to come out and for everyone to experience you you're just you're just a beautiful soul like i can feel your um, vibes through the screen thank you so much thank you it's been really good fun i've really enjoyed it let's plug in your socials your website anything you'd like to plug in yeah absolutely so the best place to find me is always either on instagram or if you're particularly interested in the estrangement then looking at TikTok because I talk a lot more about estrangement and toxic families over on TikTok than I do on my Instagram. I talk on both about it, but I'm always at Toby and Rue. Um, so that is the best place to find me. I am now on YouTube as well. So I'm working on building up my YouTube. So do go and subscribe over there. That is Harriet Shearsmith. 
and you can find my website which is tobyandrew.com i do a weekly meal planner on there which i'm gonna lay it out for you is for me it's not for you <laughs> it's so that i can actually work out what i'm gonna shop and work out my meals and i don't end up just going do you want pizza again um <laughs> so i think you know it's it's there for, it's a collective thing we're all i we're love all, that we're all gaining from it yes <laughs> and my podcast i already have one podcast called mum in it mm -hmm. and then my new podcast which will be focusing around navigating the estrangement generational trauma and toxic families in a digital world will be called unfollowing mum that will be launching i that's a month. great title that's awesome <laughs> i'd love to take credit for it and i am going to tell you this but this was a friend of mine who was like i think you should call it unfollowing mum i was like it's can I? He was like, I yeah. give you full permission. I do. I give you full permission to just be like unfollow. I was like, what about blocked? He was like, we're horsey. Don't go too far. <laughs> yeah. We'll just unfollow. Yeah. I'm just going to follow. Unfollow. Don't go too far. Um, so that will be my new podcast, which will be launching at some point through January. You can check my socials and find out more about that. And I also have my book which is yes. mumming it and you can you guys can get it over there I have a UK it's a UK and US edition and Canadian edition I believe so you guys yes. can find it over there which is mumming it um and you can buy that in any book store perfect oh my gosh yes okay and for everyone on YouTube this will all be linked in the description box so there'll be no trouble and podcasts will be in the show notes so if you want everything's going to be linked everything she listed so <laughs> I can't wait. Oh my gosh. So amazing. I want to thank all the viewers and listeners as always. This community would not be what it is without each and every one of you tuning in and bringing your energy into this podcast. I truly appreciate it. And again, I want to express my gratitude to you, Harriet. You're just lovely. So I appreciate you so much. And I'm so excited for your new podcast coming. I can't wait to check it out. It's going to be so great. Thank you. I'm really excited about it as well. And I'm hoping that it helps a lot of people feel seen because there you know anybody who has been through estrangement will tell you there is quite a bit out there for the parent of an adult child who's become estranged there is next to nothing out there for us adult children so it's about time that there was something to support us too yes preach yes well that is our tea time for today everyone i want to wish you all love and light as always and we will see you next week oh, oh, oh.